Hi everybody, I'm Mark Hadaway and welcome to this, the ARC360 podcast, in association with our corporate partners, Asus, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance and SMG Response, as well as our partners, the Green Park Specialist, DASA and the Innovation Group. So this week we've got a great chat coming up with Judy, who's a freelance health, safety, environmental and people specialist, and she gives us a little insight into people returning to work. This was recorded uh, a few weeks ago, so sort of during lockdown as people were starting to re-emerge. But uh, a lot of the messages continue to resonate as people um, come back to work and uh, employers scale up resource. Very useful, some great little takeaways here. And uh, listen out to the end where uh, Judy drops a bit of a bombshell. Enjoy. We're up and running, so that's a lovely thing. Okay, Julie, so uh, uh, lovely to have you join us today and uh, good to see you. I haven't seen you for quite some time, um, so I hope all is well in these uh, very strange times that we're experiencing right now. So, yes, I'm absolutely fine and dandy, thank you very much. Over to you then. Let's, uh, let's have a little brief insight into uh, Julie Ely. Oh, gosh, um, where do I start? Well, OK, I was born in 1970 in Manchester. So obviously I'm going to be celebrating a big birthday this year, so I just thought I'd get that in. I'm 50 this year. Uh, which is really, really scary. But I just thought I'd get that in so I can obviously get sort of a little bit like Captain Tom or whatever, got all those cards and presents. I'm thinking, and maybe I'll get them as well. I just need to intervene, don't I, and say you don't look old enough. Thank you very much. Bless you. Yes, that's the right thing to say. So anyway, yeah, I, I was uh, convent educated, which obviously I think says a lot. I've kind of been working from the age of 13 in you know retail, hospitality, the usual bar work, hotels, shops and all those sorts of things. Spent nine years in the Territorial Army and the Royal Engineers, which was really good. And then I kind of ventured into training through working with young people. I kind of worked in, uh, in, in a shop. Um, we had YTSs. Back in the day, when I was a, a young girl like that used to kind of work on the tills with me and do all sorts of things like, you know, shelf stacking. And this, this lady that used to come in and observe her for her MBQ and kind of work with her to try to coach her. And I thought that looked really interesting and it just all fell into place. So I ended up in, um, in training and then gravitated towards health and safety within the same company. So I think when somebody might look at my CV and think she's been hopping job hopping for a bit actually I've spent a lot of time in actually one company so certainly in, in, in 12 years in one and 10 years in another and so then I went into do some consultancy work for ADR in 2004 which is obviously why I got into the industry so I ended up sort of working in, in health and safety and compliance and it was round about the time Kite Mark came in so I was sort of on the working group for the Kite Mark uh, in 2007 and did all the compliance, vehicle manufacturer, bits and bobs. And then that kind of gravitated towards operations because we had a few staff changes and Andy said, I don't know what I'm going to do to fill this vacancy. And I said, I'll, I'll give it a go. Can't be that hard, can it? You know, so it was a bit like Yossi Hughes. I kept saying, um, I'll do that. You know, boys with the black stuff. I can do that. It's a really bad, that is a really, really bad accent. And uh, that's what happened. So I just thought I'm going to have to find out how to do stuff. Doing the health and safety, I had to learn how to repair cars because how on earth could I put controls in place if I didn't know how to repair them? So that's kind of led me into this exciting world of the industry and obviously uh, not able to leave. Not able to leave. I like that. I like the way you use that term. 
it gets you, it kind of drags you in, doesn't it? It kind of sucks you in. And, you know, I, I find it exciting. I still find it exciting. That's probably because I've only been in 16 years. So maybe, I, I suppose, after 20 years, it's, it becomes less exciting. But I just think it's changing all the time and the, the people. And it's just, it's constantly moving, which is yep. brilliant. I think, I think that's, you know, very much my kind of take on it. I mean, obviously now... Um, we're sort of presented with numerous uh, new challenges that we've we've yeah. never seen before, but um, but yeah, beyond that, it's just a very exciting arena to be in with with all the technology and, and changes to ownership and everything else coming through. So yeah, there's definitely some uh, some interesting times ahead, I'm sure. On the sort of day to day now for yourself, um, Auto Shield is is kind of part of what you do. So just tell us a little bit about that. So I decided to go completely freelance, um, sort of back end of last year, not really sort of like doing much sort of, uh, I don't know, sales or to kind of get like a client base because I was actually doing some subcontract work for somebody else and I thought, oh yeah, it's all going to come. It's going to be dead easy, this self-employment law, you know, sort of like setting up a business, but I didn't have a brand and I still haven't got the website or anything like that. I've just kind of sort of thrown by the seat of my pants and then obviously we had the pandemic. So, you know, that's kind of stopped me in my, in my tracks a little bit. But before that, my day-to-day was um, not just on health and safety, it would be on mental health issues. So kind of trying to talk to businesses and uh, in dialogue with, with individuals about kind of the mental health issues that they're experiencing. And obviously that was pre-pandemic. Training policies and procedures. So all that horrible stuff that people don't want to do. So all the due diligence, the remediation for contracts. I love doing things like corporate social responsibility policies. I even did, <laughs> I, I actually posted in January, have you got a business continuity and disaster recovery plan? That was back in January. Obviously that was one of the things that I was quite good at, at ADR when we had the fire. So I thought that that's kind of my speciality. So, you know, it kind of bit about everything, but it's, it's mainly kind of about researching topics, researching the industry, keeping abreast of things, writing documents, doing training, doing guidance, all sorts of different things, really. It's not just kind of one size fits all. I'm a bit of, I think a bit like Ian Botham, a kind of an all-rounder and fat with a moustache. Oh, brilliant. Your January post, did you foresee then the challenges that possibly would be coming our way or was it just kind of pure coincidence and it was just one of those posts that you put out there and then and saw who you know what the uptake was I didn't I didn't have a Nostradamus moment or anything like that what I was aware of is that those sorts of things businesses don't have because the focus isn't on those kind of things and even though work providers might ask to see the policy they're never implemented they're never tested now going back to when we were at ADR and we had the fire we always had a plan the different eventualities it doesn't matter what what it was the process is still the same you test it you make sure things work and that's kind of the thing that I wanted to order shops or whoever else to kind of you know, start looking at, but uh, alas, it wasn't meant to be. But it's not yeah. too late, you know, it can still be done now and making sure that, yeah, you know, people are in a better position, it should have anything else happen. Some of the, the events that would have happened before are things like power failure, um, you know, floods, fire. And, you know, I did actually include staff absence as being one of the things, you know, as being sort of like if you had a flu epidemic, for example, and you had lots of people off at the same time, how would you cope? Now, you're also involved in a project called School of Thought. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, it's like a a really exciting initiative, and it was born out of a conversation with uh, Dave Reese and David Punter. And they were just talking about how they could sort of like engage with schools. This was a few years ago, and I think then it suddenly like came to fruition. So the conversations were before the apprenticeship conversations that people had. But this was about concentrating on 12 to 13 year olds because the STEM subjects, the science, technology, engineering and math subjects, 
when they're 12 to 13, they're still really into them. When they start getting older and they start mixing with boys or girls or going out to, you know, to youth clubs and drinking cider and stuff, then obviously those kind of things become less important. Speaking from experience there as well. It's kind of trying to get into back into schools and get people to know about the opportunities within our business. We, we're not out there. So on, on the government websites, on careers websites, we don't appear anywhere. So we are kind of sort of like invisible. So if you wanted to look for a, a career you know, in our industry, you go into customer service or you go into manufacturing and there might be a role for a welder fabricator, but it's not necessarily in our in our sector. So we wanted to kind of put it out there about what we do, but just not concentrate on the technical side. This was the whole chain. So this was from work providers, from supply chain, anyone who works in a call centre, to a body shop, to, you know, repairing cars, to assessing you name it, it was everybody involved in our industry. And so we've been in there, we've been doing sort of uh, panel debates, question and answer sessions, feed networking. So you get a group of young people who ask you lots of questions, usually about how much you earn, what car you drive. And, you know, it, it's just trying to get people to understand that there are other roles, like sales and marketing roles, HR. It doesn't have to be technical, even though they're doing a, a you know a STEM subject. Um, I was meant to be judging a go-kart competition where they were building it. And these were that sort of, kids who were like sort of slightly younger they were about 10 11 years old and they were building carts you know with petrol engines and all sorts of things it was amazing and I, I was due to kind of judge that so obviously we had the pandemic so there's lots of loads of great stuff going on in schools they don't know about us and what we're trying to do is introduce um, or reintroduce Saturday working so I was a Saturday girl worked in my mum's shop I worked in you know chills at, at uh, Gateway as it was then you know at Pound Stretcher all sorts of different places but I think that kind of stood me in good stead it made me more work ready when I actually did enter the world of work so we're trying to introduce that and also work experience programs again that's fall by the wayside because of funding from schools the government etc but also I think health and safety got in the way it was always too difficult to either supervise somebody do too much hard work you know what my best technician you know they're going to sort of like lose production because they're watching a young person you know it's the same kind of things that we have with the apprenticeship program but obviously these young people are more vulnerable because of their age you know and the lack of maturity and stuff so, yeah. so that's kind of where we are so we've, we've put it on on hold we're still doing some stuff in the background we're working worked on an app what we want to do is not just a a Saturday or working or work experience, but give them something to focus on and get them to kind of capture evidence to prove that they are, you know, doing a great job, which means they have a digital passport they can take to an employer to say, look at me, this is what I've been doing. And it's all those, you know, those good things that are going to help them in the, whether they come into our industry or not, it's going to help them. Oh, sounds really, really interesting. So, so good yeah. on you for, for getting involved in that. And uh, yeah, what a great thing to do and uh, support the industry as well. So well done you. And, and in terms of obviously, you know, we are where we are within the industry right now or within the pandemic situation. You know, how have you been sort of supporting businesses? Have you had any direct involvement in recent weeks in, in helping either body shops or any other businesses kind of, you know, um, navigate their way through this or, or out of it? Yeah, I mean, I've got um, sort of some clients of my own and I've got some, some subcontract clients that are kind of loosely in the industry. So I have a um, motorsport business, I have somebody who builds purses and limousines. So, you know, I've kind of got um, dealerships and all sorts of different uh, variations. And I dealt with them originally before the lockdown, so that some people had still, you know, some in work and then obviously through furlough and then beyond. So it's picking up now. Um, I had a really great meeting on, on Monday, the first time I've been out in two months properly. 
felt really naughty for being on the road. And, uh, you know, it, it's all about advising advising people, but also checking that they're okay. Because as a business owner, nobody thanks you or tells you that you're doing a great job. And, you know, it's they're always focusing on their employees. So I think it's just kind of making sure that people are, you know, are okay, dealing with things, have you got any queries, and then just starting to talk about the path, the road to recovery, you know, preparing it. It doesn't matter if you have a date or not when people are going to be uh, back in work. you just got to start doing it now and then kind of work backwards, really. And we are we are kind of at a critical stage with it now where you know businesses generally do, do seem to be kind of revving up again um obviously with the, with the government uh, advice uh, being issued at the moment i suppose as people start to return to work where should we either as employers employees themselves you know where should we be focusing our attentions on that you've obviously mentioned you know, mental health, and that's something that's obviously risen to prominence in the past few years. It's it's very much sort of accepted now. You know, is that is that a key as we move forward? I think it's all about people. Um, the health and safety, the risk assessments will take care of themselves. It is really about people because you know people have been used to social distancing and hand hand washing, you know, and all these hygiene things. So that's not going to be a, a biggie for people going back to work. It's just going to be a different environment. We do need a a huge dose of common sense so we do need some revised policies and procedures but what we're going to need to do is make sure that anything that we do change is sustainable and practical because we're going to be in this situation for a long time it's not going to disappear overnight so I think it's really focusing on what we can control and what we can change I personally feel and I've started to see it in other organizations and talking to friends that there is a division with employees so you've got people who are at work people who have um, been furloughed and people who have uh, been working from home. And then you've got, you've got those all, all those three kind of entities coming together. You've got people who resentment, you know, feel resentment because they're actually at work and everybody else has, they think, been sunbathing at home. So people have had challenges pre-lockdown. They've had challenges with relationships. You know, you hear on the news, don't you, where people have been falling out left, right and centre. Um, you know, domestic abuse figures have gone up, both male and female, because people are in a pressurised situation. So people are going to be coming back to work distracted. And they might be distracted with their own problems, but also feeling like a sense of nervousness about coming back. What is it going to look like? What's going to change? So you've got all this uncertainty. And I really do feel for businesses because I think they will get taken advantage of because you've got some people who were really wanting to come back to work, some people who quite clearly won't stay on furlough for the rest of their lives. They're going to struggle to find out who the genuine people are who really do have problems and are struggling. It's all about people. And sort of last month, so in 3rd of April, my friend's son hung himself. He was um, had suffered from mental health issues, but he couldn't cope with the lockdown. And it's one of those things where I, I do feel mental health is absolutely massive, always has been massive, but probably more so now. So I think if people just focus on people, not so much on cash flow and getting cars out. There's got to be a certain amount of time where people have got to adapt to being back in that environment before people then start doing performance management because somebody's not doing the work properly, that they're inefficient or they're making mistakes or having an accident because they're distracted. So focus on the people and then everything else will come through. Really? 
really, really interesting stuff there, Julia, I have to say, and, you know, bring about, I suppose, you know, changes within the work environment in terms of, you know, how people get together, how, you know, meetings and obviously, you know, with social distancing and the necessary measures, but, you know, will we almost see uh, the production meetings uh, or operations meetings every morning, you know, will we actually see some kind of, you know, welfare meetings being implemented across yeah, businesses and it, you know again it wouldn't surprise any of us i'm sure if it was mm. the case covid19 secure so i think you, you've already referenced it but it's a sort of yeah. term that um i keep coming across and have seen and the government guidelines have issued guidelines you know what, what does that mean for businesses is there a certain template that they should be following um what would your advice be to for, for anyone looking uh, at that right now okay i mean the government have put some really detailed guidance together um, and I think this is where probably people are struggling with it because there's quite a lot to take in and a lot to read. I, I do think um, the HSC have got lots of information out there, the industry, the IMI, everybody's putting some sort of information. It's the same information, but because I think it's coming from too many different sources, people are kind of a bit confused. I don't think personally uh, businesses have to spend a fortune on risk assessments, on fangle dangle kind of sort of equipment and, and bits and bobs um posters all those sorts of things i think it's just getting the basics right if people are bringing back a few people at any moment in time then social distancing isn't a problem but further down the line it is going to be so it's a good opportunity of kind of looking at where people are like to congregate for example so people would go to car parks smoking areas kitchens canteens so it's just looking where people are going to spread the virus if they've had it or in contact with somebody. I think when I worked with um, Valley Group, and this is out there anyway, because I put a post on the other day that I went out, we d- we started doing the risk assessment and all the policies before the government guidance came out. I mean, we're absolutely, you know, it was great. We were actually better government so I just get that in there and we, we covered everything and I think this is where you've just got to kind of think about all the touch points in your business so not just your activities but physically walking around the workshop and thinking how do we keep people apart you know it's like simple things like leaving cupboard doors open provided nobody's going to walk into them or internal doors open so people are less likely to touch them you know thinking about kind of one in one out in toilets in canteens it's not going to work for everybody we talk about all these screens and barriers and all these fancy things that you can get. You don't always need them. I think just thinking about how you're going to put people in there in, in, in situ. I think kind of a lot of people are still going to be working from home. And it's obviously how that's all joined up. But you've got to think about customers, visitors. You know, it, it's just all those things. But it's not, I don't think it's difficult. I personally think it's really easy because you're just doing like a bit of a tour. And I've actually suggested to a couple of people to send me a video of your workplace and I can advise you. I'm not into I'm not into tech, I can't do all this virtual stuff, but you know, send me a WhatsApp video or something like that. Talk, you know, take me through your workshop and I will advise you over the phone what you need to do. And then obviously when things change, I can come down and visit. But I think and, and that's all free. I'm not charging for that. I've offered free advice for you know since it started and before. I just want to get people to acknowledge that. They need to start doing something now. So a big thank you to our corporate partners, ASIS, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance and S&G Response, along with our partners, the Green Part Specialists in DASA and the Innovation Group. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. A very simple but a great idea, I have to say. And, and and in terms of documentation itself, do businesses need to be keeping kind of reams and reams of, of these checks that they've done? Is it a daily thing that needs to be done? Or, or does it, you know, is it a one-page document that says, you know, states what, what you're doing? 
it, it, it really depends on the size of the business um, and kind of, you know, the, how many people you've got really in the business because most people have got risk assessments to some degree or another. So this is going to be an extension. So the normal day-to-day stuff isn't going to change. So you can kind of part that risk assessment and do a separate one just for the things that will change. Simple thing to think about is where people might be relying on a colleague to help. So you might have two people lifting a bump up you know is that bump going to be more than two meters long you know it's, it's those kind of things that you wouldn't have thought about before um, that you need to think about so yes you can still do it you just need to do it in a different way so you, 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 nothing should change you shouldn't have to stop some of these processes it's just thinking about how is this is all about problem solving how can you get over it you know and and how you're going to deal with sort of, you know certain things and in terms of keeping records I don't think it does any harm keeping a record of how often you clean the toilets, you know, and things like that. A lot of manufacturers, vehicle manufacturers require things like that anyway. So just keep a record just in case, because I I know somebody who had a complaint to the mayor of Manchester about um, conditions. And there was nothing wrong with conditions. Unless you've got evidence to back it up, you know, and show somebody, then, you know, you're kind of uh, on a sticky wicket, really. So things like monitoring, reviewing, you know, you don't have to do it every minute of the day. Just start writing things down. And you don't have to put it on a checklist. Just write it down in a diary. It doesn't really matter as long as you document exactly what you've done and and what needs to be changed. But also, speak to your people. When I went to um, to the Bella Group, I spoke to all the staff and said, how how did you feel about coming back? How are you feeling now? And and kind of got an idea of the things that concern them. So speak to your staff, engage with your staff, consult with your staff, and get them to come up with some ideas as well. But don't, don't what I'm saying is don't just do it on your own. You know, it's it's, it's got to be a team effort because these guys have got to work in this environment. So if you don't engage with them, they're not gonna they're not gonna embrace it. You know, and you're gonna get resistance. So just you know keep everybody involved and keep communicating and uh, yeah, but put, put definitely put a measure of success in place. So if you decided you wanted to do a, a survey for staff before they come back, then obviously when they come back, you'll be able to see if things have improved. It doesn't have to be a survey. It can be anything you want, but you need to prove that it's been a success. And it might just be lots of reviews and lots of team chats and things like that to find out how people are doing. But, you know, just measure it. Really, really good advice there. In terms of the implications, if we've been discussing in terms of health and safety checks, mental health and various other, you know, implementation of COVID-19 secure sort of status, if you like, and, and these kind of things. So, you know, longer term implications, will we see an increase in, you know, awareness amongst teams and people of others' well-being and mental health? You know, will that be a positive to stem from this? We start with the bad kind of stuff first. I do personally think people can become a bit more selfish so in a teamwork kind of scenario where especially when people are on bonuses you get that selfish kind of attitude and people working less of a team I think you know I just I just worry that you may end up sort of going backwards in time where we've had lots of people working as a team people going back to just being looking you know looking after number one so I mean, there's going to be mental health issues and behavioral issues that are going to impact performance well increase of accidents for people not concentrating and again the biggie one is is, is obviously with the cash flow issue and carers not getting an, enough money in through the and in, in working through the doors is that potentially there's going to be redundancies as well so it's all the uncertainty and all the insecurities there i think you know volumes wise i'm not an expert on volumes but you know you, you look at out now if you go out in a car now there's definitely more traffic on the road people going out further to exercise you know people are going to be actually spending a lot of time in the uk holidaying so i don't think personally 
the volume is going to be something to worry about. I think it's going to take a bit of time to recover, obviously. So I think it's just kind of looking at um, definitely get you know focusing on the people. I think there's definitely loads of good. The good thing is it gives people an opportunity to work in different ways, looking at new ways to work. Diversification, you've seen loads of that where people have thought, can't do that. Got to look at something like Joe Wicks or whatever, he's, he's got all the videos and, he's, you know, he did virtual stuff anyway, but that's not stopped him. I think it just is whether you've got the technology behind you. I think it'll make us slow down a little bit and take a deep breath and hopefully behave a bit, you know, better towards each other. I really think it's, it's, a ch- it's an opportunity of back to basics, adapt and overcome. We're going to be looking at reducing cost, improving efficiency so lots of problem solving skills are going to come to the fore there but there's loads of really good stuff that have come like people wearing ppe people actually know what ppe is now we battle for you know 20 odd years to get people to recognize and know it is it's right for them so hopefully we'll see some of the physical kind of health surveillance issues improve the fact that people are washing their hands regularly less dermatitis all those sorts of things we've just got the mental health issue uh, to kind of deal with but i think one of the things is there's lots of people who have learned new skills for being at home i don't mean TikTok or drink these drinking competitions you know kind of people have done online courses they've read things so why kind of not get people to you know together to find out what's changed and what's actually how they become a better person as well so I think lots of people will be able to progress better in their careers there'll be sort of people wanting to contribute ideas and I think just find out what people are at what what kind of space they're at at the moment and obviously what contributions they can make to the business and I think because we're going through it together we're all in a better position to share best practice and I think this is where we need just the business sharing best practice between between themselves but the whole industry because we are we you know kind of we're unique like that we do talk we do engage with each other but there's always been this thing that I'm not telling you how I did this because you know I want to be the best thing and it's the only thing that's going to happen is this handshaking or the hugging because we've always done it haven't we before uh, what do you do I have these daily zigzag when I take the dog out for a walk and like I end up just walking in the middle of the road luckily there's not much traffic on our roads but tactile people people who love hugging and touching they're going to suffer most because they you know they, they aren't getting their kind of a daily fix are they it's interesting so we may have to have an industry kind of greeting but you know again really valid points in terms of been a time where lots of people have kind of reflected on what they're doing thought processes you know doing things differently learning new skills and it will be really interesting to see how they are you know hopefully brought to the fore when they get back to work um you know, whether that be employers are asking them, you know, what new skills have they learned or, or you know, what their thoughts delving there or, or in fact, people themselves pushing forward and expressing their new kind of sentiments, ideas or innovations. Yeah. And let's hope it kind of, you know, meets somewhere in the middle and, and they get absorbed. I think, you know, realistically, it's probably not going to happen, but I would love to see every employer do a review on every member of staff when they come back now that doesn't have to be them directly with the team to find out exactly how you're feeling what have you been doing what have you learned all those sorts of things to kind of capture that so they can actually then start the journey of the performance management you know that's going to help motivate feel people feel appreciated feel valued from day one because again if you don't get the buy-in you know they're the guys they're the assets to the business so that's what i would really like to see and it can just be a quick sort of five ten minute chat that's all there you go all right and you've moved this on quite nicely with that one as well so so motivation wise you're a self-employed um small yep. business owner how do you keep yourself motivated uh, how do you look to improve and again especially during you know the times we're experiencing you know how do you keep yourself on your toes yeah i mean i if i can't change it or i can't control it i put it into a little, little box tie it up and then store it away and i don't even open it don't do anything so 
I lost my income for two months. Um, couldn't claim anything until I have just done my grant for the, uh, to the HMRC, but I couldn't claim universal credits or you know job seekers or anything like that. So I had to kind of look at different things to keep me occupied. So I offered obviously free advice for people, NHS responder, mentioned about the NHS uh, 111 um, health advisor role that I'm hopefully going to be doing part-time as well. So I think it's just trying to keep your spirits up. But also the big thing for me was identifying the trigger points for my anxiety. Everybody's anxious. It's normal. And I think this is trying to get it across. And my anxiety trigger was Boris Johnson at the Daily Update when he used to say how many people had died. And we were all, it was all doom and gloom. There was no like how many people had recovered at that point early on. And it was a case of, I, you know, you thought, oh, it's going to come down. The numbers are going to come down. They're going to come down. And they didn't. And then you thought, why? What, what's, what's going wrong? What am I doing wrong? Then you start trying to question yourself. Then you start becoming the COVID police. So if you do go out on your daily exercise, you see people who, you know, are sort of a bit close and you think, I want to say something to them. And, you, you know, you can't. And you just become all frustrated. So I stopped watching the news. I just It's as simple as that. Watched it for 10 minutes, not during the day. What I did is uh, most people keep a diary. It can be a paper-based diary. It can be something on, you know, like a Google diary or Microsoft or whatever. I started colouring in the days, depending on how I felt. And I, I put into my diary some of the things that I'd done or things that had happened that day. So I could easily work out what was causing it. It was all Boris. So then I, like, so I, I just take it away and I kind of reframe stuff as well. So you change something negative into a positive. Um, and so something negative was like, oh, I'm bored. What am I going to do today? But actually, this is great. This is like loads of relaxation time, lots of me time, helping me to prepare myself for when the onslaught begins. You know, so you just kind of take something really negative, turn it into a positive. And that's kind of how I've motivated myself. Uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I've been worried about money and stuff like that. But that's why I'm, I had a post in today on, on social media, which was about health, not wealth. Because if you, you can have all the money in the world, but if you're not healthy, either physically or mentally, you're stuffed. You can't do anything with it, can you? How can you go right. and enjoy, you know, a, a great life when uh, you're not happy? Yeah, definitely keeping a diary and kind of making sort of like looking at the trigger points and identifying what caused it. I think this is probably the third time I've Zoomed. <laughs> it's not, I've never done things. I've never done webinars or Zoom chats. I've always kind of sort of like just, you know, I don't know, just been in my own little bubble. Um, never done any virtual quizzes, all those sorts of things. I, I haven't bothered me. And I, I suppose people look at me and think, oh, she's that, you know, that loud sort of brash person. Um, and I have not been bothered by the social side of it because actually I'm an introvert. I'm quite kind of a quiet type of person. So that's not bothered me. I haven't got um, a big family. I've not missed any family. My parents have both you know, died and I just thank God that they weren't around now because that would have been awful. The only thing I've done is missed nipping out. You know, just like you get the freedom of nipping out and going somewhere without having to queue. Because I'm the world's most impatient person. And I've also <laughs> started um, growing vegetables badly because I never read the books I just went straight in there and, and thought yeah come on let's do that also built a dog agility course out so a couple of paintings and some uh, brush sticks and stuff like that <laughs> so that kind of kept me occupied and just doing some really strange things and you know just that things really just kind of you know just to make my friends you know feel a bit better about things but a lot of friends who are in the NHS you know nurses and sort of um, in that environment so it's kind of like just checking on them as well I just focus on the, I, I focus on the here and now I can't change the past I can't change the future I can influence it but it's just about the here and now and like I say the big things for me is the trigger points keeping a diary and then reframing that negative 
um, you know, that negative response and turn it into something positive. And lots of good wine as well. Wine helps. I know you shouldn't self-medicate, but I do. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Hey, who hasn't during this period? But no, 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 really, really, again, sound, sound advice, lovely little sort of takeaways there in terms of, you know, what people can do. And again, it's not something that all of a sudden is going to stop, you know, as people return to work, then, then why not, you know, utilise what you've just suggested there, the little diary, the different colours, um, you know, simple things. And I, I don't think there's anyone who can say that they, you know, They've been bubbling along at 100 uh, percent, you know, throughout all of this. Uh, every, I think everyone's probably, you know, if they're honest, had a little dip every now and again and thought, you oh, know, yeah. um, a little moment. So, um, so no, they're really, really good advice for everyone. I think it's um, just, you know, I liken it to grief. You know, when somebody's suffering grief because you are grieving for it might be a freedom rather than actually somebody's passing. You might be grieving about a job or or. And it's a roller coaster of emotions. It goes from sort of like feeling upset, sadness, to anger, to all sorts of different things. And those kind of different feelings will happen at different points for different people. Mm. So if you kind of align it to a grieving process, people have got to understand that it's going to take them a while to get kind of through it. But we need this is why we need to work together. Yeah, as I say, that will resonate with an awful lot of people, and that's um, you know an important piece as we've we've already discussed in terms of when people start to return to work and, and managing managing people and supporting people as uh, you know your greatest assets when they return it's uh, ensuring that they're right in the first and foremost absolutely so we like to have a little quick fire question round on our uh, uh, podcasts that we do so if you weren't a compliance specialist i've called you a compliance specialist if you don't Thank mind you. at auto shield you would be a bomb disposal engineer okay <laughs> you've um, silenced me go on no well when i obviously when i was growing up in the 70s um there was a program on telly called danger uxb and it was all about um, royal engineers kind of diffusing bombs during the second world war and i just thought wow that looks amazing and i actually bought a book or i'm, I'm sure my dad bought it me of how to diffuse world war ii bombs and it sounds a bit bizarre now um but i was kind of into all that sort of stuff and obviously when i joined the ta it was the Royal Engineers, so we actually learned how to make bombs, blow things up and all those sorts of things. So actually, kind of did get that, but uh, yeah, I would have loved to have been you know, a proper bomb disposal engineer. Wow, okay. <laughs> By the way, this, this round is always fascinating for me because people come out of the woodwork with most, uh, well, bizarre or uh, uh, things. So best bit of business advice you've ever heard, seen or received? Oh, there's a few things here. One of the things... As, as being in a leadership team, for example, one of the things that somebody said to me was, if things go wrong, take a good, hard look in the mirror. You know, that was one of the things, because actually as a leader, if things go wrong, then kind of, you know, you should, you know, you should be held accountable for them. I guess that's what we were trying to say. And the other things was catch some people doing things right. We're always trying to catch people doing things wrong. Catch people doing things right. And then the final bit was probably be kind to yourself, because we, I think we beat ourselves up too much. That's great. <laughs> And the final one, we'll keep it kind of topical in terms of the industry, self-driving vehicles. I mean, for you to be transported around in, uh, yes or no? Definitely not. No, no, no. I still have a manual um, car. I'm the only person, I think, who has a manual car because I like to hear the grinding and the, the crunching of the gear stick. Um, <laughs> I, want to be, I want to be in control. Uh, there's no way in a million years I would want any. I don't drive car on cruise control or have any sort of uh, devices on it ADAS systems because I don't want to be able to I want to be in control if that car's going to stop I'm stopping it nobody else 
you know. So <laughs> I don't, I just, it's not, I'm not a control freak. It's just that I want to, you know, because things do go wrong. But you see that that's the health and safety officer coming out of you, isn't it? But um, yes. brilliant stuff. Well, Julie, it's been an absolute pleasure catching up with you. Thank you very much indeed for your time. That's fine. Thank you. It's been lovely. Nice, isn't it? Not bad for a Friday, late on a Friday. So, uh, so take care of yourself. We will catch up again soon, I'm sure. Lovely. Thank you very much. See you later. And so there you have it. A great session with Julie. Apologies for some of the sound uh, quality throughout that. It was uh, a difficult one that we did via uh, the internet. So uh, some issues with um, broadband. But hey, there we go. We got uh, most of it in. And it was a really good, insightful chat, and I certainly hope there's uh, some takeaways there for each and every business that's listening. So a huge thank you once again to our corporate partners, ASIS, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance and S&G Response, as well as our partners, Green Park Specialists, Indasa and the Innovation Group. This has been the ARC 360 podcast. I've been Mark Hadaway, and we look forward to catching up with you again soon.